You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Pastor Joe Sulit asks us about our relationship with money and reminds us that God is our true source of contentment and security. We are continuing our series called Unstrap, a closer look at what the Bible says about money. You know, apart from our relationship with God and our human relationships, we all have a love affair, sort of, with money. We need money for a lot of basic things. We need money to buy food, buy clothes, pay for the rent, pay for mortgage, you know, buy the petrol, and, you know, provide for all the basic necessities. I want you to be honest with this uh, question that I'm going to ask you, and I want you to answer it honestly from your heart. Do you want more money? Quieres más dinero? ¿Quieres más dinero? Sonríe a la persona a tu lado si tu respuesta es sí. Smile at the person beside you if your answer is yes. (laughs) Most of you probably smile at the person beside you, not out of greed, but because of the simple fact that most of the time we feel we don't have enough of it, right? It just comes and it just goes, most of the time. Like there's so much of us who basically there's so much that we need to pay for more than the money that we earn, right? But for some people, they don't worry about money at all because they earn more than what they need. And they have a decent amount of money stashed in their bank account. So money is not a problem. But regardless of your financial situation, here's the, the fact. The big fact is that we cannot just brush aside money as something that is unspiritual or unnecessary. Last week, we were reminded that we cannot serve both God and money, right? It is therefore important for us as a church to talk about money, right? Specifically about what the Bible says on how our relationship with money should be. Our verse last week was from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, and it will be the same verse that we will discuss today. The Passion Translation puts it this way, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And further says, you cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. The key word here is worship. If I fashion a golden calf out of gold and I ask you to worship it, you would probably say that's absurd. I wouldn't even dare thinking of worshiping a golden calf. Now, in the book of Exodus, we read about the story of the golden calf. We find it in chapter 32. The story illustrates the dangerous temptation that we have to turn God's gift into a God itself. In Exodus chapter chapter 12, verse 36, you know, God gave the Hebrews favor by allowing them to take the gold of the Egyptians on their exodus, right? These riches are God's gift to the Israelites as a sign of His power, a reminder of His love for the Israelites. 
And when the people started to worry why Moses was taking too long to come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, they urged Aaron. They said, make a gold image out of this gold that we have, earrings and bracelets, our loot from Egypt, and make a new god. That's what they told Aaron, and they started worshiping it. Now, this just shows how easy we can confuse money with God. This is what Jesus is saying, that there will come a time where we have to choose between serving money or serving God, because we cannot serve both. Money is always a heart issue. And the lesson of the golden calf is a lesson for all of us here today. Sometimes we're busy looking for the enemy outside. Well, the real enemy lurks deep inside of us. And it starts with what? It starts with desire. Going back to my question a while ago, is it wrong to want more money? Let's look at what the Bible has to say about desiring for riches. We read it in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. This is what the Bible says. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with this, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And finally, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. If we read these words carefully, we realize that the love of money is connected to significantly bigger than money itself. The love of money is fundamentally not an overspending problem. It is a contentment problem. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. The love of money is an ownership issue. The Bible says, for we brought nothing into this world. You were not born with a diamond ring on your finger or a gold necklace around your neck or a bank account with your name on it. The Bible says the world and everything in it belongs to God. The love of money is also a reality issue. And we all know this. The Bible says we cannot take anything out of the world. Remember, we talked about last week, you cannot hug your Ferrari on your deathbed. And no matter how much investment properties you've had, no matter how much money you have in the bank, you cannot bring them with you when you die in a piece of, a small piece of urn or uh, a casket that is buried under the ground. The love of money is a heart issue. It starts with that desire to be rich. And when your world revolves around that desire to be rich and to make more money, the Bible says you will fall into your own destruction. If we go back to verse 6, we see that Paul started his discussion with contentment. Because the root of our problem with money is in contentment. You know, we want more because we are not happy with what we have. 
We want to have what we want rather than being thankful for what we have. We find it hard to accept that someone has something that we do not have. We become jealous because we focus more on the blessings of other people rather than our blessings that God has given us. We begin to be discontented with what we have. And this discontentment breeds, listen to this, it breeds our desire to want more. When you are not happy with what you have, it breeds that desire, I want more. Adam and Eve could have everything they wanted. They were in the Garden of Eden. They were walking with God, but they were made to believe, except, of course, for the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. The very first temptation of mankind is to be discontent. They have everything they needed. They walked with God. They were in the garden. But they were made to believe to a lie that they need to have more. And that is what discontentment is all about. Discontentment is all about questioning the goodness of God. It starts when we question God, why don't I have what I think I deserve? Why do they have and I don't? Why is he driving a nicer car? I'm more intelligent than him. How come my friends get to travel all around the world and I got stuck here in my job? A pastor once said, the love of money sits right in the middle of a lifestyle that forgets eternity. It lives selfishly, prioritizes the present, and is more focused on physical comfort than on eternal destiny. When we are discontent, the first thing that we will lose is our joy. Because our lives have become more focused on living selfishly and focusing more on getting what we want rather than trusting God that He knows what's best for us. When we are discontent, instead of living upwardly towards God and outwardly towards others, what happens? Our life turns inward in the pursuit of what? Our own desires. The life of a discontent person revolves just around himself. See, I don't care about what you want. What's important is that I get what I want. I don't care about what you need right now. I need to fulfill my needs first. As long as it makes me feel good, as long as it makes me feel happy, I don't care if it's right or wrong. We become so self-consumed that this is what happens. Our life revolves only around the things that will make us happy. We become the center of our own universe. It means that every day that you spend is in pursuit of something that will bring you pleasure, comfort, and ease. And you tell everyone, I have a wonderful plan for my life. I have it all figured out. This is what I will do. This is what I will study. This is what I will become. This is what I will be in the future. And what's wrong with that? If you're at the center of your life, then God must be somewhere else. And when the Creator is out of the picture, then we fall into the temptation of finding happiness in what God created rather than finding happiness in God Himself. 
Living for yourself and rather than for God is the root of all kinds of evil. This is what the love of money is all about. This is what serving money is all about. The love of money, according to Paul, is a fallen world issue. Why? Because the world doesn't function as God intended it to be because of sin. We are tempted every day. The moment you wake up, you are filled with thoughts. You hear words that people say. You see things that people have and people do. And these are the things that are calling us away from the life that God wants us to live and the life that God wants us to enjoy. You may not be worshiping a physical calf, but every day we deal with what it represents in our lives. Whether you find your security in your job or probably in how much money you're making, the number of qualifications or credentials or diplomas that you have, is your confidence tied to how much money you have in your bank account? Do you lose hope when you feel that you don't have money anymore? Has your relationship with someone taken precedence over your relationship with God? Do you live an expensive lifestyle even if you cannot afford it? Are you chasing money regardless of how you get it, regardless of who you step into? Do you keep the job you hate because it's prestigious? Is there something that you are obsessed with that has taken over your life? Ask yourselves this question. We all have a golden calf. My question is, what is yours? What is it that God has given you that has become more important than Him? Ask yourself. God has blessed you with so many things, but maybe one of those things, maybe one of that person has become more important than God. In Romans, we read, I'd like to end with this, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator Himself, who is forever praised. Amen. Is your identity, is your value, is your worth Attached to something in creation. Think about this. Is your value and your worth attached to something that God has created? Or are you content because you are defined not by what you have, but because who you are in Christ, the one who created you, the source and the giver of life, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? who is forever to be praised. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you are our unshakable King. Lord, thank you for reminding us that our value and our worth, our significance, is not tied to the things that we have. Thank you for reminding us that we should not worship anything in creation we should worship the Creator Himself.
and that is you, O Lord. Lord, help us to realign our thoughts, our direction in life, that we may set aside things that take your place in our lives. They may not necessarily be bad things. They could be people. They could be family. They could be a job or a hobby or something that we are passionate about. Lord, may you be the center of our lives. And may our lives and everything that we do revolve around you and you alone. Thank you for your word today, Father God. Thank you for reminding us that we cannot serve both God and money at the same time. That we have to make a choice. Help us to live our lives for you. Help us to live our faith. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. So that we may have life anew our lives may be a reflection of how faithful, how merciful, and how good you are. From this day forward, Lord, we let go of everything that we are attached to that goes against your knowledge. And we cling to you, our source of hope, our unshakable foundation true Lord, King, and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. This we pray in your mighty name. Everyone say amen and amen. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless you all. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash everynationcanberra.